into fantasy focused football. It is Tuesday, September 19th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you could save. My name is Daniel Dopp, joined by Field Yates and the incomparable Stefania Bell. How are you guys doing today? Go, go, don't, don't, don't be afraid let's to say, jump Let's in not all jump in at the same time here. Whenever you guys um, want to. So a couple of things to note. First of all, I'm Field Yates. She's the incomparable Stefania Bell. Yes, Just, Let's make sure that Here's we make special yeah. note of that. Regular Field Yates. Second of all, even right, uh, Stefania and I are... I don't, I don't know if they still do this. I'm assuming they do. Um, I used to read People Magazine all the time. Great magazine back in the day. Probably mm. still is. I just have less time on my hands now. But they do this feature called Who Wore It Better? <laughs> where it's like two celebrities best. wearing the same thing. Usually it's like, you know, a raincoat that costs $42,000 that nobody else besides those two celebrities can afford. Yep. Today it's Stefania and I who both went with Merlot color pants. I'm going to go ahead and guess. Just a guess here. That if we put this on the poll, who wore it better, Stefania or I? Stefania might win by about a 100% landslide. It's rare. Field, you're usually crushing it in the fashion department. I still, I'm like, I'm still wanting that bright pink hoodie that you wore the other day. I can help, I can help make that happen. That, it was fantastic and I'm a little bit jealous. But um, today, I'm going to say just because my top, you can't fully see it because Mm. I'm behind the desk, but yeah, yeah, it's got like, it's got the color woven into the top. So Mm. as far as the matching. Yeah, Jackson, absolutely do not under any circumstances put this on the poll. (laughs) It's just do not do it. <laughs> if you do, do, there will be retribution win of some sort. Oh, Stefania, what do <laughs> no, you mean definitely you want to win do something? It. Here's the thing. I want to lead this off. Heading into like week two just finished out for us. By the way, really big show. We're excited. We're going to talk about both Monday night football games. Mm. We have a huge injury deep dive with Stefania. She's going to make us smarter for the waiver wire. A lot of things to get into for that. We're going to talk about some really nice performances. But guys, Stefania doesn't need to win anymore. By the way, we got the A team here right now. Yeah, we do. Stefania. The highest ranked ESPN person in the Scott Fishbowl League. What? Still, wow. Still inside the top 250 field. Yeah. You're inside the top 300 field. I'm inside the top 450. We are the three wow. highest ESPN personalities in the that. Scott Fishbowl League. Wow. It's well. as if we dabble in fantasy. Football. Well, it helps <laughs> when, when your first round pick was Puka Nakua. Exactly. So, right. right. Yeah, we some all of knew. Us got ahead had, of the curve. We I had knew Kyron that. Williams on my bench. Or I might have a higher ranking. Wow. I wow. Know. didn't know. Didn't Holy know cow. that, that, yeah. that yeah. we were going to have like 38 points from him. All right. Well, really excited to be able to dive into everything that was Monday Night Football this week. But first sure. and foremost, Field, we had a board bet that we got to pay off. You and I had two of them actually really quickly. We did. And we split these bad boys right, <laughs> right down, down the, the middle, middle somehow <laughs> as you win the uh, Brian Robinson versus Jamal Williams board bet uh, in resounding fashion. Brian Robinson was what? RB1 he on was the week? Literally the highest scoring running back of the week. Okay. And Jamal Williams <laughs> left early after getting hurt. More That's on true. that in just a moment. And, and then, then we had won. a Daniel Jones board bet. Which and Daniel Jones was hilariously. He was quarterback one. Quarterback one also on the so week. That was inside the top 11. Just but like, as we all predicted. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the, the case I made last week was that because I don't have any Daniel Jones exposure this year, it's easier for me to dismiss the awful week one performance as an outlier. Mm-hmm. Right. Apparently it was an outlier, although it took about three quarters on Sunday for it to not look like an outlier. So we have a 1-1 tie. That's why neither of us is wearing either a chain or a vest of shame. That's uh, right. More board bets throughout the season. And then Daniel, you smoke. Smoked my clay. My clay, because you were all in last week. <laughs> All in on George Pickens, and uh, he paid off last night. He did pay off. I was really excited. If you, if I'm, if I'm Kenny Pickett, and I got to find one guy in this offense to yeah. target in on, if Deontay Johnson isn't there, I know we all want to add Allen Robinson after what he did in Week One, but like yeah. George Pickens, obviously, is so talented in this offense. Really loved him. Got in the end zone on that long touchdown. That long touchdown basically is what did it for me. They're all, all, all in it one was play. Literally one catch, and you already had yourself. Was it a top thirty-six receiver? Top thirty-six for the wide week? receiver. So, uh, yeah. Why is my play so silly? I well, mean, we'll talk about that throughout the show. Yeah. Should we dive into the games last night, though? Because I feel like we can talk about George Pickens even more with, once we get into the recap in just a moment here. That was the second game. I'm that not going to lie, people. I saw some divisive takes last night on on, on the Bird app. Mm. I kind of like two Monday Night Football games at once. I did, too. Because technology these days allows you to split screen so so easily. And if between, between multiple devices or the fact that a lot of services allow you to split screen... I could watch both games last night and feel like I was keeping up with both of them pretty much like there was only one game on. You seem a bit more skeptical, Stefania. I also like, I like hearing everything. I like all the action. So I like Ah, the sound of both. I like to hear what they're describing. I like to hear all that. So for me, having to then click on the different one to bring the sound up for the respective game I was trying to hear at that moment. Got it. um, You know. 
I like, but I can live with it. I like not staying up until 2 a.m. Yeah, and still watching two okay. football games. So like for me, I'm with Field on that one. Yeah, that, that part I liked, although... Yeah. It's probably up until right. 2 a.m. Uh, yeah, okay. You know let's what, Stefania, you yeah, were really busy, so let's yeah. get into it. Saints-Panthers <laughs> first, Daniel? Yeah, let's do let's that. Do it. It, it wasn't as exciting of a game, if I'm honest. If I'm looking at these things, to be, <laughs> here's my big takeaway from this field. Obviously, Jamal Williams got hurt. Yeah. That was a big takeaway. We were looking for him to be able to continue to be a guy in this offense that you can start in place of Alvin Kamara without him. Yeah. Tony Jones delivered the <laughs> most Jamal Williams line in the world. 12 <laughs> rushes, 34 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. And Happy call-up from the practice squad. Yeah, literally called up on Monday, yesterday, and the plan of the game last night and finds the end zone twice. uh, And he will remain on the practice squad for right now. Worth noting, though, that both Jamal Williams banged up, Alvin Kamara suspended for for one more game, and then... Kendra Miller was an inactive player last night. He has been dealing with a hamstring injury of his own. The Saints are going to be tested with their running back depth for at least one more week. Wouldn't be surprised if Tony Jones is the starting running back this upcoming Sunday for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Alvin Kamara's return cannot come soon enough for this offense, and it only reinforces he's going to be a very busy man when he does. Quick thought on the Panthers. Are they the least fantasy relevant team this year? Yes. Okay. They're certainly in the conversation, if not the most fantasy irrelevant team. Miles Sanders is like a fringe RB2 because of volume. You know what's frustrating? But there's no pass catcher you want to play. Well, I, I don't want to play Adam Thielen in spite of the fact that he had a fairly nice week too. Well, like I'm under 10 points, but fairly nice. Yes. Well, I mean, for what Adam Thielen does. I was actually really encouraged by Miles Sanders' passing game usage. We talked about this coming into the season. If he can see some more targets in the passing game, we're all in on him. And guess what? It. He's getting, I mean, he had three catches and four catches in week one, three catches in week two. Like Miles had, Sanders, you said. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying Adam Thielen. That was no, I don't yes. know why. I'm, I'm like Stefania. I can't hear two things at once. <laughs> so I was focused. The right side of the brain That's was focused was. in on the studio next door. That's what it is. My yeah. left ear was focused on Daniel. Yep. And I screwed it up. My bad. But I do love the volume that you're getting from from Miles Sanders in the passing game. We're just not seeing a lot of, at, like, the rushing game is not paying off. He's not getting into the end zone. It's not looked as good as what we hoped for here. I mean, they can barely score points. No, they can't. So, yeah. And, uh, and then for the Saints, we mentioned Tony Jones. Um, people are wondering, is Rashid Shahid thing after two straight solid games here's the good news this dude can play mm-hmm. and he freaking flies by yes. the way like he is electric with the football he's no doubt watch. here is the concern he's got 10 targets in two games he's caught nine of those 10 targets mm-hmm. the world would tell you that that kind of efficiency is not going to hold up over time and he's still pretty clearly wide receiver three in this offense so i think he's a fine stash bench player Absent being in a pretty darn deep league, I don't think Rashid Shahid is a starter in your lineup. Chris Olave, who once again last night looked terrific, that line could have looked even better if not for that oh, that that toenail that just scraped the sideline before a touchdown catch so for Chris Olave. Yeah. And then shout out Michael Thomas. It's going to be a week-to-week discussion, but uh, looked good once again last night. Chris Olave, 10 targets. Michael Thomas, 9 targets. Rashid Jaheed Ford. For oh, was it 11? Okay, yeah. so 11, 9, and then 4, four. for Rashid Jaheed. Yeah. So when you're yeah. talking about as much as we love what Rashid Jaheed can do with that big playability, yeah. he's not getting the same volume that even Michael Thomas is getting in this offense. Yeah, so. it's a clear hierarchy right now in New I Orleans. I did feel, and this is just a feeling, I can, okay. I stats behind it. Watching it felt like there was some attempt of forcing it to Michael Thomas from Derek really? Carr. Yeah, I, I, felt, I felt like, uh, because there were a couple misses, and it wasn't, Michael Thomas looks good. I, I was, you know, clearly we haven't had him consistently on the field. I thought he, I thought he looked good, but I just felt like when it wasn't working, Carr was trying to make that work. And huh. there were a couple missed opportunities for them. So, well, interesting. Hey, right. I'll, we'll I'll take him up. overloading the targets though, because yes. uh, that was good. So, I mean, I, I'm happy with, uh, with the utilization from Michael Thomas, as we know with Michael Thomas, though, it's, it's not how he looks in week one or week two or even week three. It's, is he on the field in week eight or nine? Um, I, he's not the player that he was when he had 149 catches in a season. And I know that there are people out there that refuse to admit this, hmm. Michael Thomas is still capable, right? Like he's still a good football player. The question is whether he's a good football player for four games a season or potentially 14, 15, 16, maybe even 17. It'd be interesting to see when Alvin Kamara comes back too, because how much did they use him as a pass catcher? Mm-hmm. And what does that do to the distribution? All right, let's talk about this Brown Steelers game. George Pickens for the Steelers looked fantastic. 10 targets, four receptions, yeah, talk talk. 127 yards and a touchdown. 
I know that we had some concerns coming into this game because we weren't really sure if he was a guy that's going to get a ton of volume here from Kenny Pickett. Yeah, patience is a virtue, though, because it was a slow start it last night. And slow. frankly, wasn't a great effort from the Steelers' offense. Once again, they won because their defense saved a lot of people, present company included, in fantasy football matchups. Scored twice, including on the very nine seconds into the game, the Steelers scored a defensive touchdown. The good news, though, for Pickens, Daniel, as you said, in the absence of Deontay Johnson, no other wide receiver mattered for for the Steelers last night. No, it was the George Pickens show. And uh, the talent's never going to be the question with George Pickens. It's going to be the consistency and the opportunity last night. Both of those worked very much in his favor. You know what didn't work in my favor is drafting Najee Harris through two weeks. You know something, Daniel? I I went back and (laughs) forth. Fourth on Najee Harris this uh, this this preseason for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that like there were times last year where you'd watch him and you'd say to yourself, like there's just not the same level of juice. And Steelers fans got mad when I pointed this out in the preseason, his lack of big plays, and they all told me the same thing: he was hurt last year. That's true. Two things can be true at the same time: you could be hurt. You also might not be the most explosive running back. And let's go through his production through two games so wanna. far this season. No, we have to. Let's <laughs> do it here for a second. Okay, We are talking about 10 carries, 43 yards, one catch for zero yards. Okay. Six carries, 31 yards, two catches, two yards. What was the calculus behind Najee Harris coming into the season? Volume. Volume plus pass game utilization. Yep. He has two receiving yards in three games, and he's got 16 carries in, and sorry, I'm sorry, two receiving yards in two games, 16 rushes in two games. Meanwhile, Jalen Warren has looked fantastic. And he's a part of the passing offense that is like designed for Jalen Warren. He's yeah. a just a much wigglier player. Obviously, he's not built like Najee is, probably wouldn't be as equipped to handle 20 carries per game, but um, Najee, like... The next couple of weeks might be the opportunity for Najee to get back on track. They play on the road both weeks, but they play the Raiders and the Texans. Two games where you'd think game script get back would be on conducive track. to running the football a yep. lot. Big couple of weeks ahead for Najee Harris's value. Big Not, couple of weeks to evaluate what kind of player he's going to be for the season. 5.3 fantasy points in each of the first two games. Jalen Warren scored more points in week two than Najee has through two games combined. Someone that you can at least look at as a stash in a deeper league if you need a running back. He's getting passing. He should be stashed. He absolutely should be stashed because uh, that kid can play. There's no two ways about that. All right, let's project ahead and talk about the Cleveland Browns. One player before we get into this running back because the big question is. Yeah, this is the elephant in the room right now. It it really is. But I want to ask you this before we get there. Okay. Deshaun Watson. This is the one. Has not looked good. Okay, yes. Yeah. Has not looked good through two weeks. And if you used a draft pick on him to be your starting quarterback like I did in a bunch of leagues if I waited I'm kind of looking at hey man can I do I maybe want to go with a streaming option potentially in week three or four with the way that he's played yes yes here's what you have to do with Deshaun Watson is while it's true that for the vast majority of his playing career he's been an elite quarterback an elite fantasy quarterback you have to do this now you have to remove from your brain the fact that Deshaun Watson had four years Used being be. elite, yep. right? Yep. And the fact that he's made making $46 million per year, right? You have to just pretend like those two things aren't true and just evaluate him off what you see. We are now eight games into the Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns tenure. There have been a handful of games where he has rushed the football enough to kind of salvage a decent, reasonable day. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Deshaun Watson look like an ace thrower at all since he's been a Brown? Nope. At all? No. Last night, again, 22 for 40. Meanwhile, pick six on the very first play, which I haven't had the chance to go back and rewatch the play closely. Some might say, hey, that's a ball that Harrison Bryant, the tight end, has to catch. Maybe it's a ball where he is supposed to run the route one yard inside the numbers as opposed to two, and that's, that's why it was a pick six. The bottom line is that, like, that's a pretty consistent theme for Deshaun Watson, erratic throwing mm-hmm. and another underwhelming day to the point that if you have a streaming option available in your league right now, you're considering it for Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. Far from a lineup block, far from a lineup block right now. 
He should have thrown another. I mean, he had another pick that was dropped in the end zone. Yes. He, and, and he, it was a huge throw, right? Like that, the arm strength is still there, but he way, I don't even know who the wide receiver I don't know. was. I, honestly, I, <laughs> I sometimes wonder if the arm strength is there for Deshaun consistently. Maybe, oh, consistently like, is yeah, fair. It's like the number of throws that just fall flat are very surprising. It wasn't great. You know, it's, it's a conversation that uh, obviously is going to define the Browns future. They've yep. got. 230 million fully guaranteed. Stop me if you've heard that before in Deshaun Watson. (laughs) That means they've got 138 million after this year still guaranteed to Deshaun. But uh, there are are certainly better options as your starting quarterback going Going into next week, whether it's a, if you drafted an Anthony Richardson type, there are others that are certainly like, you know, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, guys who you may have a double dipped on at quarterback, Jared Goff, that I think represent not just a higher ceiling, but a higher floor than Deshaun Watson right now. Stefania, we were told coming into this game that we did not think Amari Cooper was going to play. And then, surprise, surprise, Amari Cooper is out there on the field. What transpired there for us fantasy managers just to understand like how it felt like it wasn't going to be a go and then all of a sudden he was able to make it work on Monday Night Football? I think, and this is why I think the world of Lisa Salters as a sideline reporter, because if you listen to what she said in the pregame, I thought her explanation was perfect for all the people who might have been frustrated of how did this come to pass. And the reason is we heard from Kevin Stefanski that that Amari Cooper had a setback on Saturday. So when you hear about a late setback, you've only got 48 hours. That already makes you nervous. We knew he's going to be questionable coming in. It was a groin injury. He had core muscle surgery in the off season. So I'm thinking in my mind, is this an acute injury, like a new strain, or is this maybe some scar tissue from that original injury that pops? And so that's the kind of thing that could pass within a couple of days. You really didn't know which one, but we'd also heard from Adam that he was unlikely to play. So everything kind of pointed in that direction. Lisa Salter said that they came in thinking that, and then she, they heard that, well, no, he was likely to go, but she asked Amari Cooper when he was coming out of the tunnel Uh, If he was good to go and his answer was, well, we'll see. Mm. So that immediately made me think he's not even totally confident in how he is. So maybe they're putting him out there and they're going to just see how this goes. And can he stay out there? Can he be an effective decoy? At least if he's on the field, it's somebody else they have to account for. And I felt like that was mostly going to be it, but he did get better as it went along. Wasn't even a decoy. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's what I mean. 16 points. Sometimes you don't know. You know, and that was really one of those you don't know. It could have easily gone the other way. And I think for people who might be frustrated because they said, well, we didn't think he was going to play or you made us nervous about that. Nobody really knew. And I don't think the Browns knew. And clearly Amari Cooper didn't know based on his answer. He was he was hesitant. Really so did come down to it the really last came, Yeah. And, yeah. and even as he played, he probably got more confidence like, oh, this is feeling pretty good. And so yeah. uh, that's one of those you, you really there's really no way to know because it evolved during the game. I would contend it was still the right play to pivot. If you had a reasonable option, there's just, you know, when a guy gets hurt on Saturday, like I would think that more often than not, and I'm not Stefania or, you know, I don't have the injury data that would um, empirically tell you the specific number of our specific percentage of players that get hurt on Saturday to play on Monday or don't play. But to me, it was the obvious thing to do. If you had a reasonable option, that wasn't a Monday night player that right. wasn't, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore, or somebody in the other game as well. So um, I would just say this is that uh, I'm happy that Amari Cooper was on the field. I don't think you aired dramatically. I mean, it's a 16 point effort. It's solid, mm-hmm. but it's not like he went off for 32 fantasy points and you're kicking yourself because he is absolutely the difference between you winning or losing your matchup. All right, Stefania, here is what we've all been waiting for. Nick Chubb, unfortunately, went went down last night, and it looked very bad, something that we've all been able to unfortunately talk about between last night and this morning. As a physical therapist, when you are watching that injury, when you understand what happens there, can you take us through as fantasy managers what we need to know about this Nick Chubb injury? This is one of those where you just appreciate in the moment that this was so severe that it's likely... Uh, not only season-ending, but potentially career-threatening. And it's re- it's rare that you think that right away. But uh, if you if you did see the injury, then you know this. If you haven't seen it, there's no need to unless, um, you know, certainly it's out there on the internet. But uh, Nick Chubb took a hit from uh, Steelers safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, and helmet hit the leg. And the problem, we've talked about this with injuries before, when you have the foot planted, 
the knee becomes extremely vulnerable because the knee doesn't have the same freedom of movement as the ankle or the hip. And Nick Chubb's foot was planted. You know when your knee bends what direction it goes. Well, it bent, but it was the opposite direction. And immediately you start thinking of a multi-ligament knee injury. Um, He was carted off the field taken to the locker room for evaluation. We learned after the game that he had been taken to a local hospital for further evaluation. When you have a knee injury of that nature, one of the main concerns is potential damage to the popliteal artery, which runs behind the back of the knee. Uh, So when you think there's been damage to the backside of the knee, you go to the hospital for an assessment of the vascular structures. There's also the potential for nerve injury. Now, the good thing is that Nick Chubb was cleared by the hospital and was able to travel home with the team. So that that. is about, in that situation, that's about as positive a report as you can get. But then it becomes what happens next. And if you know the history of Nick Chubb, you may know that when he was at Georgia, he had an injury to the same knee that was a multi-ligament injury, PCL, MCL, LCL. So the two main ligaments on the sides of the knees and the one in the back uh, had uh, had uh, torn all of those, had his knee reconstructed. And there were questions about whether he'd ever be the same player. That was when he was a sophomore. Well, not only did he come back and prove himself at Georgia, he came back and became a highly drafted running back who then became one of the elite running backs in the NFL. And I know, Field, you know this. We talk about return to performance. This is the criteria we measure when an athlete comes back from injury. It is exceptionally rare for an athlete to return to a higher level Mm. of performance than previous. So when you move to the next level, you move to NFL from college, that is exceeding your prior level of performance. Not only did he do that by just playing in the NFL, he became one of the best in the league to the point where – Players like Jonathan Taylor, who I spoke with a year ago, said, this is my favorite running back in the league because he is the best pure runner there is. To make it look that natural, that effortless after that type of injury is really rare. So now this injury on top of that, we're just all standing by and and saying that we wish him the best. Uh, Surgery will be involved. We don't know when, but... um, those are the those are the parts that we wait for. I think for now, just appreciate the 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 player and the person that he is. And I think for the Browns, this is much of a loss in the locker room as it could possibly have because, by all accounts, he is an outstanding human being on top of being a terrific athlete. Yeah, this is absolutely brutal for us as fantasy managers, just across the board. I mean, Nick Chubb is one of those guys we like to root for. Mm-hmm. He's one of the good guys in the NFL. That's sure. fun to watch. He's yeah. so good at what he does. At this point, Stefania. You know, season-ending injury. He's we've got to you know, we've got to yep. move on for yep. that from that mm-hmm. perspective. Yep, we know that much. Yep. So understanding that field, Jerome yeah. Ford looked really nice last night when filling in in duty. He's the guy that we had been touted as the backup. Now that Kareem Hunt was no longer in Cleveland, but maybe that's a conversation as well. So, like in talking about both Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, how yeah. did you feel of Jerome Ford filled in for Nick Chubb? After he went down, it was awesome. Looked was fantastic. Sixth, high, sixth highest scoring running back for the week, and Nick Chubb had ten carries before he got hurt. Yeah, Jerome Ford was terrific. Let's work backwards before we work forwards. This offseason, everybody kept asking, "Who are the Browns going to sign? Who are they going to add to back up Nick Chubb?" And they kept saying, "We like Jerome Ford." This is not a nobody either. Sick player who started his college career at Alabama, transfers to Cincinnati, had nineteen touchdowns during his final college season. Fifth round pick a year ago. He got hurt in the middle of the year last year in October, came back off of IR. The Browns have been telling us for a while they like this player. This offseason, Kareem Hunt has just been sitting there waiting, 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 waiting. And have we heard one, one peep whatsoever to connect him back to the Cleveland Browns? Not to the Browns. Not to the Browns. Not a bit. So um, nothing is uh, impossible. My sense right now is the Kareem Hunt is not an option for the Browns. My sense is that the Browns plan to ride Jerome Ford like they have Nick Chubb. And I think that they will continue with Pierre Strong as number two slash three, and they'll probably find another depth level body for their backfield. Mm -hmm. This is Jerome Ford's backfield going forward. And while Nick Chubb is absolutely brilliant, one of the silver linings for Jerome Ford on top of his ability is that it's one of the best offensive lines and best running schemes in the league. It's going to lend itself to production. If you play in a league in which you have the first waiver priority, don't think twice. He's yours. I don't care if you have the last waiver priority in a 16-team league. If he's available, go try to grab him him right now. Yep. 
if you play in a fab league, which is a you know free free agent you, you, salary cap league, basically where you can you know opt free for agent waivers. acquisition budget. Yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure I use the right terminology yes. there. But uh, you have hundred dollars <laughs> to spend, or whatever it is, uh, whatever you might have left, it's conceivably worth it all. Yeah, because what we don't know is whether uh, there will be other players that will pop in value. But uh, running back is hard to find anybody to replace with, and uh, I, I truly believe. Like at minimum, 80% of your budget is a justifiable cost to try to acquire Jerome Ford right now. Because yeah. what you have, I think, on your hands is a top 15 running back for the rest of the season. He's that in that good of a spot. Because I don't believe, and I could be wrong here, the Browns will go attack the free agent market aggressively right now at running back with either a Kareem Hunt or a Leonard Fournette. I don't think a trade for Cam Akers is in the offing right now. I think this is Jerome Ford's backfield. He could have had another touchdown last night, too. Yeah, he yeah. came game. really, really he close, did, like yeah. a yard away. Yeah. By the way, had a hamstring injury in the preseason. Yep. The only fear, of course, with hamstring injuries is that they come back. So I hope that all this new work for Jerome Ford does not impact his health. Yep. Well, let's move ahead and talk about some more injuries here, Stefania. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, unfortunately, not the only running back that got injured. Saquon Barkley dealing with an ankle injury as well. We're expecting him to miss multiple weeks, although we're trying to figure out what that means and what the injury is. What can you give us on the latest for Saquon? Well, he left the game late Sunday. It was his right ankle, needed assistance off the field, and we heard initially that x-rays were negative. He was having an MRI to determine um, more specifically what happened. I think if you look at the video the mechanism of how he went down it may have reminded you of what happened with Tony Pollard some of these injuries we've seen where they call it a hip drop tackle where the player kind of the the tackle is coming down the leg and the player gets kind of bent sideways their hip is dropping in um, and the mechanism puts a lot of torsion on the ankle puts the knee at risk too and so the question became was this a high ankle or a non-high ankle I I know that uh, Adam's reporting was that the the word ordinary, I would say, or because that's what he was told to sure, be clear. Sure. But the ordinary is anything but when you're the person who's involved, like Saquon. Um, I think the, all that matters here is that they did not see anything that defined a high ankle sprain on imaging. Um, but what they are looking for is damage to the particular ligaments, at the roof of the ankle or any separation of the two leg bones. In the absence of that, a lot of swelling. You can have a lot of different uh, type of structures that are involved as far as tissue damage. But it sounds like they are expecting a multi-week injury. And what's most important for this week is that the Giants are staying out in Arizona because they play the 49ers on Thursday night. So I think the notion that Saquon could be available Thursday is just out the window, even though the Giants haven't officially said it. Uh, And I would plan on making preparations for at least a couple of weeks, especially given the fact that he has the history he does of ankle sprains on both sides and his ACL injury. Short week. Yep. Playing the 49ers. Yep. Matt Breida leads arguably the thinnest backfield behind the starter in the NFL or one of the thinnest. I think Breida is certainly an add on waivers this week. He will not be cracking my top 20 for running backs this not week. Not even with a no. revenge game? Uh, oh, uh, even with that's a anything good call. that happened, you know, call. there is certainly kid, blowout potential here. And this could be a game in which he, you know, pieces together five catches in the second half because the 49ers are smothering the Giants. But he's an okay, he's a solid but not spectacular runner. Very fast, but not a power back, Matt Breida. Um, so I, I am sort of managing expectations for the next couple of weeks. Also, wouldn't surprise me if the Giants turn to something of a committee, right? It's not going to be Matt Breida playing all but two snaps, which is where Saquon was last week. And obviously that was because of the injury. It's going to be much more of a timeshare than it was with Saquon Barkley. So it's a bummer for Saquon. Hopefully he's back soon. Uh, but I think that there is less value here in the replacement back by far than what we were just discussing with Jerome. Yes, Ford. I, totally, I think it's actually good. Yes, like, Jerome uh, Ford is good. Yes, I, yeah. I am totally with you when you look at the way that these Giants utilize. And I think we said this yesterday a little bit field. When you look at the way that the Giants utilize Saquon Barkley on Sunday, they very specifically did not want to give the ball to any other running backs, even when he was healthy. I mean, oh. th- these guys did not get any touches until he came off the field because yeah. of that. So you're, you're looking at this situation and it's like, I understand you got to add somebody here. You're hopefully not starting anyone against the 49ers on a short week, though. Yeah, but you, you should add. Like, you should these add. are the kind of players that like, you should add, even if you don't plan on using them, because there are only 32 starting running backs. Yes. Mm-hmm. If maybe he pops and looks better than we realize, 
Plus, they're not going to play the 49ers in week week. four. A totally reasonable player to add that if he plays better than maybe you expect him to play, even if you don't need him, somebody else will. I was just going to say that. You're snagging him from somebody else as well. Stefania, I need Joe Burrow to play better. He's been dealing with a calf injury. Is there any chance here in week three that fantasy managers can see a different Joe Burrow? I don't know, because I think it's more complex than the calf, but I'll deal with the calf injury. This is something that happened six weeks ago, July 27th. Remember, we all saw it in practice. And one of the things that I said at the time was he's got ample time to recover for week one. But the the concern that you're going to have is, is this going to be a lingering injury or something that recurs? Somewhere between 19 and 38% is what's reported in the literature of either a recurrence of a calf injury or a secondary compensatory injury after something like this happens. And the goal is to get them to a point, you know, with the time window they had not playing him in the preseason, that he could come back and really mitigate that risk of re-injury. But here's the problem. There's no way to replicate game conditions. So you're going from basically zero game action to four quarters of game action. And the volume of work is going to take a toll potentially, if you're still on that threshold of whether you're fully better or not. And in Joe Burrow's case, uh, clearly he was still kind of hovering around that threshold where he didn't feel it on a regular basis. But he was a little sore after week one. And then in week two, Zach Taylor acknowledged that he aggravated it. Even Joe Burrow said as much. They're treating it like it's day to day. Zach Taylor said, yesterday that it was very hard to predict whether very hard to say whether Joe Burrow would be available this week or not. I'm not, this is a tough one guys, because Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what he looks like if you have him available. And just because he is available doesn't mean we're out of the woods on this. The fact that he had this setback makes you now more nervous Mm -hmm. that this could be happening again and again over the course of the season. So just listen to the Bengals this week. And Stefania shared a couple of the quotes. The tenor totally strikes me as we are not expecting Joe Burrow to play on Monday night. It's a Monday night game, by the way, too. So obviously this is one where if you have him and there's some uncertainty, you're going to have to likely pivot prior to that. I would be planning for somebody other than Joe Burrow in your fantasy lineup this week because I think the health concerns are legitimate. Second of all, he has struggled out of the gates, and there are enough good options. I mentioned Anthony Richardson yesterday, and I got some feedback from people saying, thank you for mentioning that dilemma because that's the one that I am debating right now myself. Richardson has to clear concussion protocol for him to play, but if he does, I'm playing Anthony Richardson over Joe Burrow in week three, which may seem ridiculous if Joe Burrow looks like himself against the Rams on Monday night. But I am certainly worried about this one. And obviously, if Joe Burrow's not available, every Bengal on the roster, except for Joe Mixon, sees a downward tick in value. Yep. Jake Browning is the Bengals' backup quarterback. How many career completions would you venture to guess if I give you the over-under of 41 and a half for Jake Browning? Over or under? Under. You could give me four and a half. I would say under. Feel. <laughs> okay. 41 and a half over under. Under. Four and a half over under. Under. Zero. Zero. Oh, I, 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 knew, right. yeah. I, I knew that I already. That. So I, I, that's why I didn't even, yeah, so, I wasn't going to play because I was like, I know the answers. That's funny. Kind of so just think about that. A player yeah. who like, right, Taylor. how many people are aware of, of, of Jake Browning? And he seemed, and maybe they could, they could sign somebody or maybe they could, is Brandon Allen on the 49ers practice squad now? I believe he is. <laughs> yeah. I and that's so. a player who's been with the Bengals in the past. Maybe they could sign him yep. off the practice squad, but uh, it is certainly a daunting task for whoever is under center in week two, because there are not a lot, week three, hey, there are not a lot of good options. No pressure, kid. You're never yeah. throwing an NFL pass, and it's Monday night, Monday night football. football. Now the Rams defense, as we know, inexperience and all that, but uh, yeah, not ideal at all for Cincinnati. Stefania, Brandon Ayuk has been dealing with a shoulder injury did not yes. practice on Monday. Short week as well. Like you said, Thursday night football. Yeah, this happened early in the game. If you saw it, it looked like he landed and he was uncomfortable and kind of shaking out his shoulder. He was getting worked on on the side intermittently. Now he did uh, go in and out of the game. He, f- he finished the game up. So that's a positive sign. But yep. he definitely was uncomfortable. Didn't play. I think he only played 30 of 57 offensive snaps. Um, Monday was a practice estimation. And there will be, I think, one actual day of practice. We'll see if he does anything. Uh, but again, with a short week, always a little more concerned. So stay tuned on his status. We're going to talk about the Fantasy Focus Show League a little bit later. 
But if you're on my team, you're probably hurt. You're right probably now. hurt. Now, the team's holding up okay, <laughs> but uh, I'm just—I'll give you the lineup later. But uh, Brandon Ayuk, I am sorry for drafting you to the Fantasy Focus Show League. Do you have David Montgomery in that league? Uh, no, but I have Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones. Okay, well, all right. Well, yeah, let's it is talk, your fault. It is, but not great. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about David Montgomery. Has a thigh injury. Stefania left the game. Looked really good. Up until that point. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. I mean, he's clearly like the volume is there. Clearly and then again, volume. more volume, more exposure. And he hit a bruise size. You mentioned it, the contusions, the deep bruise. It's interesting because David Montgomery afterwards was telling reporters that he was going to take a couple weeks to heal. But Dan Campbell said on Monday that he's day to day. So I don't know if that's wishful thinking or, you know, the other thing is with these these deep bruises, they're sort of the steps you have to go through before you decide if it's safe to put a player back out to play. And that includes, you know, how they feel and what they can do. And sometimes it is that range. Like it could be a few days or it could be a few weeks. So uh, I would plan on David Montgomery being less likely for this week, but uh, it it remains to be seen. Of note, the Lions just about an hour or so ago signed Bam Knight off their practice squad. I think that's notable because what it might tell you is not necessarily that they are going to lean on him if David Montgomery is unavailable, but that somebody else might have come calling for him, right? You've got the Cleveland Browns who all of a sudden have depth concerns. There are teams, you know, Chase Edmonds left the game for Tampa this past weekend. Like that's a thin backfield already. It could be that Bam Knight had an opportunity to go somewhere else. And they're like protecting their resources. But let's assume, let's assume that David Montgomery is out this week which seems a reasonable assumption right now. Yep. I think a lot of people are going to ask themselves immediately, and we discussed this a bit yesterday with Mike, Jameer Gibbs show. Won't be the Jameer Gibbs show in terms of 21 carries or something like that. Not the way we want as fantasy managers. It'll be, yeah, yeah, it'll be a more involved workload as a runner. Yep. And then his usual, I guess it's hard to say. Two games. games. (laughs) Uh, What you would expect for him to be as a receiver. So I think you'll see some Craig Reynolds. Yep. Maybe some Bam Knight. Uh, this one might be a lot less cut and dry than people would think, given that one half of a two-headed backfield is potentially unavailable in a given week. I'll say this. If you needed a quarterback, I don't think that Jared Goff is a bad streaming option because without David Montgomery manning that running back room the way that they want, they might have to lean on him passing a little bit more because they're not going to give, like you said, Jameer Gibbs 25 touches. Hey, I, I, I always do this. I don't know if it makes sense or not. I always set my lineups Tuesday morning, even before waivers have gone through, just to give myself just, a first look. Sure. And Jared Goff's my backup in that Joe Burrow team that I have. And I've already got Goff penciled in there. Maybe even if Joe Burrow plays. Jared Goff obviously has been... He's 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 a good football player, right? He is. He's and it's also a six point passing touchdown league, so that certainly helps the value of somebody like Jared Goff, who's not going to add much at all with his legs. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's a good it's a it's a good opportunity for Jared Goff this week. Absolutely. All right, and Stefania, we had talked about Jamal Williams with the hamstring injury. We expecting him to be able to return this week. I think it's too soon to know. This just happened last night, so. Okay. Stay we'll have tuned. to wait for a little bit more information there. Yeah. Again, Tony Jones might be on the radar. If you play in a deep <laughs> yeah. league, I'm telling you, just go at him right now. The because only he's one legit. by default. Yeah. Him and Taysom Hill, the only two running backs. All right, a couple night. other quick hitters here. Jalen Waddell making his way through the concussion protocol. Hopefully that happens quickly. Mm-hmm. Entered it yesterday. Entered it, and Mike McDaniels made me very confident because he's already progressing through it is the way that McDaniels yeah, yeah. made it sound. Semantics. Maybe, maybe that's a, okay, a coach speak a little yeah. bit there. We, we I think keep an eye on him. We'll have to continue to track this. I don't know, and it's very early in the season, but so far, every player that I have noted that has entered the concussion protocol, this is different than, than for, as an example, Devontae Adams, who was checked for a concussion. We'll talk about him in just a second, but entered the concussion protocol. Every player that I've seen so far this season has been out for at least seven days. Really? I mean, at least, yes. I mean, we're early in the year. There's yeah, not been a lot of but yes, we've, I mean, Jacoby Myers is an example. We've seen that have entered the concussion protocol. Interesting. Devonia has told us 9,000 times, not, not linear, linear. Yeah. but uh, I think teams are going to be very cautious with these given uh, sort of the climate surrounding head injuries in the NFL. What about Amon Ross St. Brown? He got banged up on Sunday as well. Looked like a turf toe issue. Well, yeah. Well, so this is the weird, this is a weird one because uh, the team, as often happens during the game when they tweet about a player being out, they said cramping. They right? said he was cramping, yeah. but then there was camera footage of him being on the table working with the athletic training staff. Uh, they were examining his foot. Uh, there was a question about his toe. There was a video where he slipped and there was some torsion through the toe and whether they were putting an insert into his shoe. So there was a lot going on, but they 
they have not defined it yet as a toe injury. I would just say oh, watch okay. the practice reports carefully and let's just see what happens. Josh Reynolds, if you needed somebody, I'm saying Josh Reynolds is not a bad waiver option. We'll He's talk about him awesome a little bit later. In back to back weeks for the Lions, and he is yep. the number two wide yes, receiver right now. Definitely, it's getting, not. He, it's, it's not, not Jameson Williams, obviously. Nope. It's not Jameer not Gibbs. Marvin Jones. It's not, no, it yeah. is clearly. Uh, by the way, Josh Reynolds is a good football player. Yes, he is. Like he was fine. Remember, he, he got kind of cut unceremoniously um, by the by the Rams ends up with the Titans. Like you know, he's a fine football player who I think the Lions are going to lean on quite a bit, whether Amon Ra is available or not. A lot I mentioned Reynolds on the football, on the Lions. Uh, yeah, I, I want to <laughs> clean this up. By the way, I just mentioned Devontae Adams, who was tested for a concussion after the game. Josh McDaniels yesterday during his press conference said, "Tay's good. Tay's good." So uh, while it was not explicitly asked whether he was in the concussion protocol or not. I think Josh McDaniel's words uh, made pretty clear that he is not in the concussion protocol and but maybe he take, gets a day of rest with that foot injury on Wednesday. I expect him to be fine. He had this been week. evaluated during the game. and was cleared to return. So I think one of the things we talk about is sometimes after the game, People can, you know, they're still monitoring them. Well, I think it's they actually important. did it after the game. That's why people were wondering because it happened so late that after the game during the press conference, they said, "Hey, he's going to be evaluated for a concussion," and then they follow up a couple of day, or a day later because they obviously um, didn't have the full evaluation. So it sounds like he's good. Either way, mo- good. the bottom line, the headline for, the moment. for yes. now is that he seems to not be in the concussion protocol, and obviously a big part of that Raiders receiving game that uh, plays the Pittsburgh Steelers this week in Vegas. That's right. All right, we're going to talk some week two winners and losers and then dive into the waiver wire. But to get first, to. Field Yates. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Yep, of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Whatever you're looking forward to this season, there's one thing that pairs well with every great moment. An ice-cold Miller Lite. At just 96 calories, a can Miller Lite is the only light beer you'll want to celebrate with all season long. So whether you're at the stadium playing fantasy football or watching the game at home or at the bar, Miller Lite is here to make your fantasy football season taste like Miller time. From kickoff till the clock runs out, you can't go wrong with a Miller Lite in your hand. It's the only light beer with a taste worthy of our national obsession because what's the point of having a beer if it doesn't taste like beer, guys? I have no clue. No clue? It's only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces of serving with a smooth taste and a crisp, clean finish. You can get the taste you crave without the calories. So this season, crack open a light beer that hits your taste buds so hard you can feel it in your heart. Make it Miller time all season long. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash FFF, or you can find it pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Have you ever dreamed of hitting the road in your very own customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter? Yes. I have. Well, following college football all season long, hitting all the biggest games in college football's most celebrated stadiums? At ESPN, we dreamed that dream, and with the help of Mercedes-Benz, we made it happen. This year, our very own Jen Lada has teamed with Mercedes-Benz designers to create a road-ready, full-functional, state-of-the-art <coughs> podcast studio on wheels. The ride is pure Mercedes-Benz with all-wheel drive and the latest driver assistance, safety, and tech. The podcast studio must be seen and heard to be believed. A spacious and chill conversation space with mics, camera, and a mixing board to capture the action. On board, Jen Lada will be interviewing some of the biggest names in college football and points to Mercedes-Benz for always bringing some extra. Out back of the Sprinter, they're innovating, pushing the science of the tailgate, complete with grill, cooler, TV monitors, and more. This is hashtag van life meets the fan life. To get an inside look how this one-of-a-kind, blow-your-mind collaboration came together, visit mbvans.com slash sprinterlabs. The Mercedes-Benz ESPN College Football Podcast Sprinter, coming soon to a game near you. All right, back talking winners and losers from week two. Guys, Daniel Jones looked unbelievable as long as you didn't watch the game or if you did, you only watched like the final 15 minutes of it. Hey, he was awesome, but you know what, Daniel? Who cares, right? That's right. You'd rather have 15 gorgeous minutes that result in quarterback one status than 60 okay minutes that result in like, yep. I don't know, quarterback eight status. Daniel Jones is a player that because of the first uh, four, three seasons of his career, people are just going to be on opposite ends of the spectrum 
in regards to Daniel Jones. I'm not here to evaluate whether Daniel Jones can help the Giants win a Super Bowl or not. I don't care for the purposes of this show. What I do know is that Daniel Jones can help you win a fantasy championship because in a league in which quarterbacks running the football can matter so much and several of the top running quarterbacks in the NFL this year are running it a lot less than mm-hmm. years prior. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones just keeps on running the football. He runs it a ton, 13 times in week one, more rushing production in week two. Without Saquon Barkley, I wouldn't be surprised if he runs the ball 15 times on Thursday night. That was my question without Saquon. I'm concerned, Saquon. obviously, because of the matchup. I'm yeah. concerned about them getting flattened on Thursday night against San Francisco. Yep. But in general, Daniel Jones is right there on the precipice of being a top 10 quarterback every single week. Stefania, the 49ers defense is pretty good. Yeah, I've heard You've heard, heard that? Yeah. I've You've, heard. They're doing pretty good yeah, things yeah, here. Yeah. I've It'll heard. be really exciting to be able to watch that game. I don't want to get too conf- confident now, but yeah. If I were you, I would just keep on not watching Daniel Jones. <laughs> just start just him. Don't watch. You don't need just to watch the game. Who cares? Don't Again, watch. Yeah. People can, they can have, we can do, you know, our NFL live crew can have a thoughtful debate <laughs> about whether he is a quarterback the Giants yes. can win with going forward or not. I love it. They have made their decision on his contract, and I don't yeah. care whether that. One looks good or bad by the end of the deal. I worry about whether he can score 31 fantasy points in a week. That's right. The answer is yes. I know he had a major dud in week one. As I said last week, I'm throwing out week one for Daniel Jones. Field Keenan Allen is wide receiver five through two weeks of this season. We wanted to know what this Chargers offense could look like with Justin Herbert hopefully regaining his form and adding Kellen Moore to the mix as an offensive coordinator. And if you drafted Keenan Allen... He's a set and forget a wide receiver for your starting lineup. He's looking great. Which is kind of what you were expecting coming into the season. Obviously, we are dealing with the tiniest of sample sizes here. But 13.4 yards per catch through two games is the highest for Keenan Allen since 2017. Wow. So six years later. So a bit more uh, average depth of target for Keenan Allen. He is also now one quarter of the way to his career high for receiving touchdowns in a single season. He's never had more than eight receiving touchdowns in a year for Keenan Allen. So a guy who continues to kind of make sure that age is just a number. (laughs) Yeah, he was great. He was great in week two. And uh, if Austin Eckler is unavailable, Brandon Staley said yesterday, there's no timeline on that injury. Mm. A game against the Vikings with their poorest secondary, Mm. Keenan Allen, once again, a top 12 fantasy wide receiver in week three. I would love that. Yeah, I take uh, the no timeline. I actually, uh, I, I have thoughts on that, and the, they are that I think sometimes the no timeline means he just doesn't know. And yeah. uh, Austin Eckler, uh, sometimes people hear that though, feel and they're no like, time of, no timeline. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin Eckler is obviously someone who knows his body so well and works so hard sure. at it. I think that this really is a day by day thing for him. By the way, Keenan Allen in the preseason said how excited he was that Kellen Moore was there because he was going to play as out of different positions and saw the opportunity to get more depth of target. And I think we're seeing it now. Yeah. Love to see it field through two weeks of the season. Ken Walker, the third has 34 touches in the Seahawks offense. Zach Charbonnet has nine. We were hoping to get a little bit more work, or at least I thought we were going to get a little bit more work out of Zach Charbonnet, but the Seahawks have said, you know what? Ken Walker is going to keep being our guy. He looked really good against the Detroit Lions on Sunday. That was a tough defense, a rush defense at least. Two important things with Kenneth Walker the third. One, to your point, Daniel, he's still the guy. Yep. Maybe that equalizes a little bit later. I don't think it's going to anytime soon. But second of all, even if it equalizes, it's not going to be a 50-50 split, I don't think. Like, it's still going to be Ken Walker. He's the man in this backfield. Yes. One of the narratives surrounding Kenneth Walker III during the offseason that wasn't a narrative, it was a statement of fact, is that his rushing production tended to be kind of like home run or like, you know, ground out to the pitcher softly. As in like a lot of 10-plus yard runs and a lot of runs for like two yards or fewer. I'm not sure that matters for our purposes because he's so dang talented. Like I will take that trade off because at the end of the day, the yards per attempt is going to look fine. The total number of rushing yards is going to look fine. And this Seahawks offense is good enough that he's going to get red zone and goal line opportunities as well. Kenneth Walker III has unquestionably been one of the big early season winners in terms of utilization and how the person behind him Mm. has not played that much. You are totally right on that one. Let's talk about some losers, though, unfortunately. Don't love doing this, but I want to talk about Justin Fields. Hey, I'm going to quickly read all the quarterbacks that are ahead of Justin Fields in fantasy so far. Oh, boy. This is ugly. Kirk Cousins, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tunga-Vailoa, Anthony Richardson, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Sam Howell, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Yikes. Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Geno Smith, CJ Stroud, 
Brock Purdy, oh. Desmond Ritter, Lamar Jackson, and then Justin Fields. What happened to design runs for Justin Fields? Just asking. He has not. Asking I, I, for a friend. Seriously. I mean, it has not been fantastic here. If you drafted Justin Fields as a nope. potential top five quarterback through two weeks field, do you have the same panic on Fields that we have had on Burrow? Or is it not quite the same because there's an injury with Burrow and it's not like that with Fields? Well, here's the concern with Justin Fields is that he hasn't rushed the ball at all this exactly. season. Hardly right. at That's all. It. People, people uh, have pointed this out. I'm not the first person to have or notice this. I have this thought or notice this, but uh, the Bears have certainly uh, de-emphasized those designed runs for Justin Fields, which while Justin Fields was absolutely brilliant for fantasy football and brought more excitement to the Bears quarterback room last season mm -hmm. than they've had in a long time. It was not a winning model of football, no. right? No, I mean, it wasn't. the team quite literally lost their last 10 games of the season. Not saying that's just because of Justin Fields. Obviously, the defense wasn't very good, lack of weapons. They beefed all that up this offseason. But Justin Fields was also dead last last year in terms of qualified quarterbacks in completion percentage. Uh, it's, it's not a great situation for Justin Fields right now. It's messy. There's already a lot of, not internally, but externally, there's a lot of discourse. Is it the coaching staff? Is it the player? Like, yeah. I oh, tend I to think, like yeah, I tend to think this. Generally speaking, when a player is performing that poorly, it goes both ways, right? The player's not playing that well. The coaching staff could do a better job too, right? They're not coaching that well. He's not playing that well. Um, are there reasons for optimism? Yes, because I do think the Bears will realize that while they don't want to rely on Justin Fields as much as a runner as they did last year, they've got to play to his strengths. Yeah, what choice do they have? Yeah, and he is still one of the best athletes in the entire NFL, regardless of position. So I'm more optimistic, but he has certainly, if we did a redraft today of quarterbacks, oh, yeah. amongst mm. the quarterbacks that can run, he would not be the second one off the board for me or third. No, it would I, be some Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Anthony Richardson, plus a couple other conversations before we get to Justin Fields. It feels like uh, this is a story as old as time. Like, here's a player. Here's what their strength, their skill set is. Here's their strengths. Yeah. Let's not take that all away from them in an effort to try and make it fit this offensive mm -hmm. scheme. I mean, it's pretty basic. Yeah, it's going to have to I be. I feel like it's yeah. got to, you've got to get somewhere in the middle. Got to meet in the middle for yeah. sure. Here is a, tr a trivia question. Uh-oh. Who are the eight quarterbacks to finish as a top four QB in the first two weeks of the season? The eight quarterbacks. Yep. Uh, well, see how well, you can so get out of eight. Get, like, you can get uh, a couple. Kirk Cousins, okay, yep. um, Mahomes. Yeah. Nope. No. 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 Nope. Anthony Richardson. He is, yeah. Um, we just talked about one Brock Purdy. Ago. Nope. Jared Goff. Nope. I'm just randomly throwing out names. Okay. I, so I Justin Herbert. Nope. Here, I'll, I'll just rip through them. Wow. Are we really that wrong? I was saying it, but I'm trying to guess like Kirk the Cousins, far out Cousins, Anthony ones. Richardson. This is just great. <laughs> Jordan Love. Yeah. Oh, Jordan Love. Yeah. Mac Jones. I almost said Matt. Okay. Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah. Oh, that one's fair. Okay, we should have known that one. Daniel Jones, who obviously we just talked about a minute ago. Yeah. Somehow that one will not compute forever because it just won't. Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson. And then the one that you would not get even though we'd mentioned his name briefly yesterday, Daniel, Joshua Dobbs. Oh my gosh. How about that? So he's no Patrick poor. Mahomes, no, no. Jalen Hurts, no. no Josh Allen, no Lamar Jackson, no Joe Burrow, no Justin Fields, no Trevor gosh. Lawrence, no Justin Herbert, no of, of the consensus top 10 quarterbacks. None of them have finished the top four so far. That's unreal. How hilarious is that? That's unreal. All right, let's talk one more player here. And DeAndre Hopkins, if you drafted him field, you probably want him to be like a low end and probably like a flex play for you. He hopefully it wasn't a wide receiver too. And in this Titans offense, I got to be honest, they're not throwing the ball super well. Well, I mean, <laughs> they don't throw the ball a lot either. My take, I'm sort of nonplussed by this so far. Sort of just what he is. It is what it is. Yeah. He is going to be a volume dependent player in a low volume passing offense. Touchdowns are going to be harder to come by. But I had DeAndre Hopkins as wide receiver 24 coming into the season. It's about where I'll continue to rank him unless, you know, he's playing through an injury right now. But, like, he'll be around, like, a, you know, borderline top 20 to 25-ish wide receiver because he's still the number one option on this Tennessee offense. offense. But yep. it's Ryan Tannehill played much better in week two, 20 of 24 passing. But this is kind of what I expected from DeAndre Hopkins. Not an overwhelming season, but not a nothing season either. Yeah, wide receiver, 45. His teammate, Nick Westbrook-Akina, has oh, yeah. 
point two <laughs> fantasy points less than him. That's amazing, though. Right. So yeah, that, that's where the small sample size really yeah, catches up to you. Right? Two games because really like gets you. One big catch from a guy could totally overrule yeah. two games of. I think it was uh, seven targets in week one for D-Hop, six this past week, five this past week. So we'd like to see that number bolster a little bit. Yep. But if it's around seven a game, I think D-Hop will end up as like a top 25-ish wide receiver. Just a very, very boring one. All right. So let's dive into the waiver wire at the quarterback position. We already talked about it. If you had Joe Burrow or somebody else that you feel like you need to or want to replace, there are a couple of options available for you. Yep. We already mentioned Jared Goff, rostered in just over 50% of leagues, but he might still be out there for you at least least worth someone to be able to check on. And are we really buying this? Jordan Love. Jordan Love here in week three looks like a streaming option with the way he has run this Packers defense or the Packers offense. Disagree. You don't think he's a streaming option? How many touchdown passes Jordan Love have this season? Five or six? Six. Six. How many completions does he have this season? Uh, Not many more than his touchdowns. 29. Over 20% of his throws are going for a touchdown. This is the most obvious regression candidate amongst quarterbacks. And I think with Jordan Love, like while there are reasons to be excited if you are a Packers fan, I mean, I know they obviously lost this past week, but, um, you know, like a total of 35 rushing yards, that's fine. But I really don't think a guy who's completing 56% of his passes with just five rushing attempts in two games is to me a capable streaming option. Like I'm, I'm nervous about that one. If you are using him as a streamer this week. Okay. So you'd rather play Joe Burrow than Jordan love. Yes. Is there another Assuming quarterback? Joe Burrow plays on Monday oh, night. Right. Yes, of right. course I'm, I'm playing him over Jordan. Love. So then once you get to that, like sort of that, what would you say that Jared Goff, Brock Purdy conversation is where you're drawing the line right now. Jared Goff, I can make a case for. Okay. If Joe is iffy going if into Monday iffy. night, we don't know. I would say, I'll live with whatever Jared Goff gives me in week three, but I would not be playing Jordan Love if we think Joe Burrow is going to play on Monday night. Got it. Yep. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm happy for, you know, for Jordan Love. Like he's, he's checked a couple of boxes there, but uh, you can tell it's still, it's going to take some time. Believe it or not, when you sit for three years, it does take a little bit of time to get up to speed. Crazy. He's thrown six touchdowns. Haven't even had his touchdown guy and Christian Watson out yeah. there through the first Wild. two games yeah, as well. Totally. Yep. All right, let's talk about Nico Collins. He has looked unbelievable. Talked about him a bunch on this show. Right now, he should be rostered in your league. Mm. Rostered in 67% of fantasy leagues. If he's not, for some reason, he's worth going out and grabbing because he's getting a ton of volume from C.J. Stroud in this offense. Been awesome. And C.J. Stroud threw for nearly 400 yards in Unreal. week two. The offensive line's a disaster right now, so the running game is going nowhere fast. They're going to have to throw it a lot, and... Nico Collins, the clear best wide receiver on this roster. Nice to see this one. Nico Collins, a little bit of a uh, pre-draft darling for a lot of us in the media. I know Stefania has touted him multiple times after trips to this uh, Texans training camp in prior summers. Uh, He's got talent, and it's paying off right now. And if they have to continue to throw as much as they did in week two, 41 times for CJ Stroud. It's going to mean good days for Nico Collins and a deep sleeper in Tank Dell. Hey, I was just going to say, yeah. that's who I was going to bring him next because he had, what, 10 targets? Yeah, he was great. And yeah. he was another preseason darling, another pre-draft darling. His name is Tank. Tank, yeah. Great name. That's what, you uh, know. Played at Houston for his college ball. Big question with Tank Dell is just that, you know, if you're second or third in line. Right. Because um, Bobby Trees is still playing in that offense too. He's still getting some volume too. But a deeper league ad, Tank Dell, totally justifiable. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Jaden Reed too. He's a guy, you know what? These Packers wide receivers are interesting. Week one, it was low volume and Romeo Dobbs gets in the end zone twice. Week two, it's low volume and Jaden Reed gets in the end zone twice. Yeah, I, I, a little bit of buyer beware here for me as well, just because of the stuff that I mentioned with Jordan, uh, with Jordan Love and yep. also because Christian Watson is going to be back at some point. At some, we don't know what that some point is, but I think this offense will uh, run through the running backs, and I mean that specifically with Aaron Jones. Yeah, and Josh Randall, another guy that I mentioned earlier on in the show, earlier, yeah, absolutely worth a waiver wire ad, especially if Amon Ross St. Brown misses any times, he would be the number one target in that Lions offense. Totally. Can I rip through the running backs kind of as a package because I think there's some priority there. I do. Mm -hmm. Okay, we talked about Jerome Ford. Number one waiver ad could end up being the most valuable waiver ad for the full season, even with as great as Puka Nakua has been. Wow. Love Puka, but I'm not saying this is a guarantee to go south. I say Puka Nakua has a greater season than Jerome Ford. <laughs> well, the question is, I just, I, I'm confident in Puka Nakua, no doubt. What we are all kind of waiting to see is when Cooper Cup returns. Comes back, yeah. 
does Pukunakua become a seven target per game player as opposed to a 17 and a half target per game player? I think logic suggests it will go down from 17 and a half no matter what. Jerome Ford, Adam, absolute must add. Uh, next up for me, uh, if Kyron Williams is somehow still available. Oh, yeah. I, he's been yeah. wider. He's running back two so far this season. It's so unbelievable. If there's a world in which he's available, go grab him. Number three, more likely, is Zach Moss. Number yeah. one running back for the Colts. I think it's going to remain that way until Jonathan Taylor returns. I know there are some people that think he could come back to the Colts. I have a hard time envisioning how all of a sudden this very, very, very frosty marriage gets back on track. But I could certainly be wrong there. Until week five, though, Zach Moss carries some value here for the Colts. And then Tony Jones, because it sounds like even if Jamal Williams uh, is not dealing with a major injury... I can't imagine too many guys leave a game with a hamstring early, early hamstring early on Monday mm-hmm. and, a short and are week. back yeah. on the field Sunday afternoon. Kendra Miller also banged up. Gosh, that's tough. Yeah. All right. Hamstrung. That's if you had to go through that hey, field really quickly, we're not talking about it as a group. Let's yep. say we're just talking about waivers in general. Jerome Ford, number one waiver ad. Who's your number two? Number two would be Zach Moss. I mean, Kyron Williams is available, but it, I Kyron think... Kyron Williams and Nico Collins would be number two for me, but they're both over 50% rostered. Right. So After my that, guess it's... is more, more likely target would be Zach Moss would yep. be number two for me. Yep. All right. Let's talk about our Fantasy Focus Show League. Close hey, this yo. thing out. <laughs> By the way, Stefania, I think something really exciting happened. You know, we also play the game of fantasy uh-huh. football. We're just like all of you guys at home, and we Smelting have those same prize. matchups. Yes, we are. Every single Sunday night, Monday night, we're like, man, I need this. I need this. And what did you need late in Monday night in order to secure a W over Liz Loza? So first of all, I didn't know until I just now looked at this page of the show note that I won the game. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, well, congratulations. I was, I was kind of busy last night. So um, to you. I did not know, but I knew that she had four players going last night. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a substantial lead, but she had four really good players going. And I thought I had the Steelers defense. I was like, there's no way, there's no way. And I just kept seeing her rack up points and I thought I'm done. And yet I pulled out a win because Steelers got that extra touch. 23 points. The Steelers scored the second most fantasy Who points on your team. Don't matter. And their oh defense, I mean, by the way, if we got style points, I'd have more because uh, the way that they got their first touchdown of the night was unbelievable. Liz had Najee Harris, oh, Miles Sanders, Chris Olave, and the Saints defense mm. yeah. going against you, and you only had the Steelers defense. Yep. And you still won. That's amazing. Because I'm that good. Congratulations. Bravo, Steelers defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that. that I had so much to do with that. It. Totally. So you get that win. That's huge. <laughs> that's huge. Eric Moody, by the skin of his teeth, grinds out a W as well. 0. 0.5 oh fantasy my gosh, points. Look at, that, that is the fantasy heartbreak 0. for 0.5 metal three. core. Over oh our buddy God. JB Brewbreaker. Yeah, yeah, that's tough, JB. JB Sorry about team that. One. I liked a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a really good one. Yeah. And then uh, Trophy Smack. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's look at Eric's team here really quickly. Geno Smith, Saquon Barkley. Alexander Madison has been tough. It's someone we're going to have to figure out. And Tyler Higby. By yeah. the way, how about that? That's been a difficult one the as well. T. Higgins. Been, best yeah. receiver on the Bengals, by the way. He got minus so one far, points yeah. from the Jets. It's yeah. nice when you can get a negative from someone on your team and you still get a win. I'll tell you that. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Trophy Smack absolutely crushed our competition this week, by the way. They scored 100 what is this? 176 fantasy points in a 12-team league. Pretty, pretty good to me. That is unreal looking at them. They have been fantastic field. You, me, and the Trophy Smack crew, we're all 4-0 and to start the season right at the top of that list. Wow. So Bragger. far, so good here. Uh, Trophy Smack went a massive week for some players. Uh, that uh, Look at these defensive I mean, scores. Ridiculous. 19 points for the Buccaneers. Yeah. Terrific. Terrific stuff there from the Trophy Smack team. Tutu Atwell, a great waiver wire ad. And then obviously getting Travis Kelsey back this week helped him in a significant way. That's great to see. Daniel, your squad holding up strong as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Let's talk I, about the real takeaway here. And it's just the thing we're going to leave the show on. Mike Clay, 0-4 uh, to start the season. <laughs> Mike Clay in a tough spot so far. Yeah. Uh, Mike <laughs> has been doomed by... Not frankly, yeah, I mean, just bad rankings. No, Gary Wilson getting hurt that's certainly true. Hel- does that's not true. help. Uh, he's got Pukunakua, though, so he's got some uh, hope going forward. Oh, and that's then, good. Uh, you know, Mike's big thing, too, is that he made, uh, he had Christian Watson. He did have, uh, so Christian Watson was one. Deshaun's his quarterback. Mm. That doesn't help. Mm. And then uh, Travis Etienne. 
has mm. been like was just fine, fine. in week two. He was yeah. fine. He'll get he back on track. Mike will. Christian Watson. Yeah, look at the back on track. Look at the standings Jerry, here. Judy Field, too, Trophy Smack, and I are all yeah. at the top. A bunch of two yeah. and two teams, by the way. In case Wait, you guys, guys are looking, how are you four and zero oh or two and two through two weeks? Yeah, explain. We do victory points, which yes. means if you are in the top half of the scoring for the league, top six, you get a win, as well as if you get a win, you get a win for that as well. What the point is it's supposed to help even out so that you don't have one of these like really good scoring teams scores more than everyone else, but just came up against juggernauts week after week. It was just a really tough situation. Just kind of balances the league out a little bit more. I like it. Uh, There are times in which it's frustrating because like you you get an (laughs) ugly win and you still have a loss as well. But uh, I think speaking generally, it's the most fair way, fair way to go about it. I agree uh, with that. Good stuff there in the uh, trophy, excuse me, the fantasy focus league. Yeah, really good. Really good. And I'm going to throw this out here. I'm going to close the show on this. We got a pants poll. We put it up about Stefania oh, Fields' pants. Son of a biscuit. Who wore the, Mer- the Merlot colored pants better? Wow. Stefania, 65% over Field, 35%. Lie to you guys, that's actually How a win for me. That's How a win for me. 35% is more than you thought. I thought the answer would be like 0.5%. That's right. So 35 <laughs> actually a win for me. Listen, Field is a fashionista. That's and right. And so he's got his people who are fashionista. Going to, yeah. Oh. Does Ista, does that like, uh, is the. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know enough about languages. I know. When, when I go to Starbucks, it's not a barista. It's a good point. You know, <laughs> you know what? what? You know what? I'm a fashionista piece. That's right. I feel smarter every time you come on the show, Stefania. Thank you so much for hanging that's out what with I'm us. Here for. That's what you do. We are going to be back tomorrow on Wednesday talking week three rankings with Mike Clay. Yeah. We love you guys. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. You have earned that, and we cannot wait to see you guys tomorrow. It is officially Merlot o'clock, Right yes, now. we can have a glass of wine. Always is. Yeah, I think it's time for lunch. <laughs> is lunch just a glass oh, of wine? Oh, I tried intermittent fasting today. Shut up. I made you it have, to 727. Shut up. No, I, no. 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 I had I eggs at 727. <laughs> I know. <laughs>